Hi, listener. This is From Ideology to Unity, a spiritual journey where we let go of ego and ideological doctrine in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. Today, I'm with David Karasek from the Foundation of Freedom. The Foundation of Freedom do online events focused on teaching creative manifestation in our reality. Hi, David. Thanks, Nick. So how are you doing today in Switzerland? <laughs> As I told you, it's it's snowing. So I, I woke up in the morning and I look outside and it's the first night of the year. Um, yeah, we're having snow. So <laughs> and re- remember when you were in Foundation of Freedom, we did uh, we had to choose to have a symbol come to us that represents the winter. And quite of us, quite a lot of us got a lot about snow. And so right there. Yeah, I see he's wearing a t-shirt though. This one? Yeah, in, in the winter. Oh yeah, but I mean I have the, the heater on. How are you, man? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So where do we start? So would you say what has more of an impact on our lives, nature or nurture? Nature or nurture? Can you can you tell me a bit more what you mean by like nature? I'm assuming you mean like being outside and. Oh right, I need to be more clear because that's a an English phrase. Okay, <laughs> so it's more nature and nurture. Obviously, nature is like the environment, but in this context, it's our the the. the the predispositions we're born with or the what we're conditioned with as we grow up in our society uh then i would go with the 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 latter so i mean intuitively from so nature or nurture then i would say nurture in that sense is is a lot more important if you want because i mean you know just imagine if you were born in let's say let's take saudi arabia for example right i mean your life would be completely different but you you're the the same nick right you would have a different name uh you probably look a bit different maybe have a mustache or something but that's just Ah. the but then your whole thinking would be different based on how you grew up what experiences you made right so yeah so i really believe like once the dna is one thing but i mean you know that that it's hard work and it's it's what you are given and what you experience i mean look at sportsmen right they might have like good dna to be a sportsman but just talent is not enough you need hard work you need the right guidance you need the coach the up like the good team and there's a lot of things that you want to have in place I suppose like you can have like a potter and he could have the best material available, but the best equipment available. But if he's terrible at his job, it doesn't really matter that much. Although I will say that it's like the template we start out with. Right. And that can make a big difference. But fundamentally, what we're it come, I feel that what we come into this life for this incarnation is to take what we start with. And to sort of undo the limitations that we've placed on ourselves. Because the truth is, 
we have the ability to heal ourselves completely and to manifest in ourselves like what we desire, right? And it's just, um, I was doing an interview last night actually, and apparently they were, we were talking about Joe Dispenser's work. And what Joe Dispenser talks about is we really, have, well, Joe Dispenser himself, he healed himself from a, a terrible, paralyzing, um, accident where his his vertebrae got crushed. He actually completely healed himself with the power of his mind, right? So, I mean, technically, I mean, someone, someone with um, mental special needs, mentally, right? Even they could potentially be taught these methods and actually, you know, get you know get smarter and get physically more capable. Yeah. So percent. Like, look. Also, these these the the most important things that we learn about life, they're not like rocket science. You know, they have existed those those principles and how important the mindset is, how it changes, how you can up, like up uh, regulate and down regulate your DNA. Like this stuff is, it's not rocket science to to apply like you know but it's not taught in school right like in in school we're taught you know do a bit of ge geography do a bit of math a bit of german french english and and but it's not it, it, that's not like how do i say like intellectually it's left brain what we do in school right and and so it's like learning by heart and then taking a test and and learning models but you know, the, the common sense or like the art of creating is not what's taught in school and that's not rocket science. So I believe almost, if not all people can do it. It's just like you, you need somebody that, you know, is putting some light in, in the dark because uh, yeah. you can find it on by yourself. It's just going to take very long. It, it could be like a process that you give up along the way because you have a lot of setbacks or you're confused. But with the right guidance, like just imagine like learning math by yourself. It's going to take you a while, right? But if you have a good teacher and they're doing like work and they see where you're not good and or not progressing, let's put it that way, then it goes a lot faster. You have less trouble. You feel better. And it's the same thing with these arts, creating, being intuitive, healing yourself. It's, um, you know, Jody Benz's work. I'm a big fan. And if you look at the audience, they're not like, I would say if they take, took an IQ test, they're not, you know, you wouldn't say they're all Einsteins. They're normal people that are there and they have the success with it. So that's proof that everybody can do it. It's not for just the few. Yeah. And this is, and what this involves fundamentally is a principle that you teach in the Foundation of Freedom, which is mentalism. Could you tell us more about that? Mentalism. You mean you mean like? Do you want me to speak about the what, one of the natural laws or how? Yeah, sure. well, let's put it that way. Basically, whatever, whatever we create, by definition, creating is something new, right? And when we did the foundation of freedom, if you remember, when you look at the textbook of creativity, and you have like a ladder of the different levels of creativity, and it starts with unskilled imitation. It goes to skilled imitation, then to deri derivation, derivative, and then it goes to innovative and then to genius, right? And if you look at that ladder, 
what you realize is the people that are low creativity, they imitate and they look at the outside and they copy something and they might like, you know, add their own twist to it, but it's always their outside reference. They're getting their clues from the outside, right? From something that already exists. Right. But then as you come to innovative or genius, that could be, you know, Steve Jobs inventing the iPhone or the guy who invented Starbucks, right? That's creating something new. And, and what mentalism is, is, is saying basically that everything that we create first like exists in our, in our thoughts, in our mind. And then it's for us, it's on us to, if we identify with that end result that we're seeing is like, we go and create it. And that's right. one of the most powerful and the most um, rewarding things to do to create what you love to create. I suppose when it gets to the higher levels, the genius level of creation, does it have to involve a sort of divine connection? A divine connection. I haven't, look, I got to be honest. I haven't made an invention that is life-changing for the world as, as of now. But I, I actually, I mean, divine, you know, it's, a, it's I would say we, we should not get hung up on labels, you know, like right. divine or genius or um, quantum field, like wherever it comes from, it's, it's basically not coming. What I can tell you, it's not coming from your thoughts and feelings from your perception. It's coming from, it's something subtle, like an idea, a connection that you make. And, and, and then it's on you to capture that idea. Like it's like floating around, you know, like in, what I lo love to paint the picture is in Harry Potter. They play this, what is it, Quidditch? That, that, yeah. That, yeah. So there's like this one, the most powerful of these balls. You know? Yeah. So it appears somewhere, right? And then they go and, and Harry Potter and the other guys, they go and try to get it, right? And then it disappears and it's really fast. So that's an intuitive idea. That, that could be it, right? It's something that's very subtle. It's, it's there for not so long and it's on you to have the awareness to, to capture that and be like, hmm, okay. And then see, you know, w where you go with that. In Harry Potter, did he, did he use his intuition to catch it in the end? I think, don't you win the game if you can? So that's how I remember it at least. So you correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there, if, if Harry catches this little, little ball, then they win the game? Yeah, there's, there's a regular way to win, I think. And then there's the catching snitch, which is right. just a trump card. Right. So that, that's the one I mean. Like, if you think about it, it's like, you know, because when we're in perception that is informed by thoughts and feelings, it's very heavy. It's very obvious it's here, right? Like I'm angry and I'm thinking this and that it's very he like heavy, but the genius mode or that divine mode or the higher self or whatever label you want to use, it's, it's different. It's more, it's more subtle and it's not so obvious. So that's why it, it, we're always saying you need awareness to see what it is because if you don't have the awareness it's there but you don't see it right or take creativity right. one definition is that you can make if you have more creativity you can make connections that you or other people normally don't make right so you're aware of more and and so that would be something that all of a sudden you're aware like oof i see that coming from my divine being from my higher self whatever it is and you, you you capture it and you start to bring that into reality. So what's sense? the key to awareness? So, yeah, that's, 
Great question. So, the, I mean, the first thing is you need to be aware that thoughts and feelings are not a representation of reality and of what's going on. They are real to you. And it's really easy to prove to another person, yeah, but you know, they are real because last week I had a fight and I was angry and then I cried. You know, I had tears. It was real, right? Right. And you can't argue with that. And you can just say, yes, they are real. But at the same time, it's for, for these people that are caught in perception, it's important to know that it's only the definitions that they assign at the time that bring up their thoughts and feelings for them. Because another person might have completely different thoughts and feelings about exactly the same reality that we're sharing. Take a car accident. You have two parties. It's the, the same reality, but they're going to have probably very different opinions, thoughts, and feelings about it, right? So if you're in perception, you're not seeing... You're just seeing what you see. And especially when you get angry, it like closes like that, right? If it's normally like this, when you're angry, it's, it's really tiny. Right. So perception is a much more subjective thing, yeah. but it's your subjective truth. And if I understand it correctly, you talk about these, fund I think it's 12 fundamental laws of reality. Yeah, the fundamental those beliefs. are the objective no, not the fundamental beliefs, that that is something we can go into, but there are these fundamental laws. Mentalism is like the first of them. Mm-hmm. There's the law of vibration and stuff, right? And these are the laws of reality on an on objective level. So how do we make sense of reality if the, there's the subjective truth and objective truth, and they all fit together with larger part of a larger picture? So, you know, generally, a lot of people, they say, might say, well, it's objective or it's subjective. It seems to me that you're saying both. Yeah, my question to you is why why do we have to make sense? You know, you said, how do we make sense of this? So the question is, why do you have to make sense of it? <laughs> that is a good point. Right? That seems to be that all seems to be my left brain talking, right? I mean, look, but I mean it, it's human. And I'm look, I'm not no different. I'm just saying that that's when we come to the planet, then we don't know that we're separate from mom. We don't know we're separate from anything, right? At the beginning. And then over the first five years on the planet, it's called what we, the individuation phase, which is when your egoic vehicle develops, it's your body, your energy, your mind, right? Everything. And it creates an individual experience for you because you can acknowledge yeah. that you're having an individual experience and so do I, right? That's the answer. It's, it's your perception. On your level, that's fundamentally, it's like a symptom of separation, yeah. or it's a distortion, yeah. or a lower imitation of creation on our higher level. So on our level, we create reality. If, you don't, if you're just working on, on regular perception, you're creating a reality around you from fundamental core beliefs and thoughts that you have and feelings that you have but you don't even know necessarily that you're doing it and that is completely not a different level and i guess there are different levels going up like with creative manifest it's like what you said with creative manifestation we do it you said that we can do it just going off things that we see outside and then we go then we make more connections and then we come up with something completely new well, the lowest level seems to be 
going completely on the outside, such that you just go completely on what you're taught from the outside. And then you just reflect back and then you sort of like a pinball, you're kind of like in a pinball machine because you're not actively creating your reality, but rather passively creating your reality based on external influences. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. And you oh. may, and you know, this, this last point that you made based on external circumstances, that's exactly it. Like, look at, and I, I don't mean any um, disrespect or, you know, because it was me a year and a half ago and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm there, but it's just that discovery that it's actually not your external circumstances. Because if you ask people about, you know, a project that didn't go well or something that they wanted in their life that didn't go as they wanted, you ask them why and what happened, they'll give you, they'll give you all the circumstances that happen, you know, outside events, this happened and that, and then, you know, I had to do this and I, there was no choice and I felt I had to, and yeah, you know, there's a, it's a array or of excuses basically. And I mean, again, I mean, no disrespect, but if you're a creator, one of the first steps, what you have to, and that's one of the most powerful premises is you have to know that you are powerful and you have to take self-responsibility. You create it all. And that's, and it's actually really easy to, we use a tool that we, um, that we did the conflict deconstruction process. And if somebody guides you through this, you basically take a conflict where you went for something, you, or say you wanted something, you went for it and you didn't get it, right? And the problem is over and the end result, end result was shit basically. And then we deconstruct what happened in that conflict. And every time, no matter what conflict we use, we can show that it was you who created it, right? Not saying the other person are always good and doing the right thing, but it's still you who created the conflict and the end result. And that's right. powerful. It's more that we don't know. When people are saying, oh, it just, it's this happened and that stuff happened. Either, well, it could be, I guess, being dishonest of themselves, but other than that, it could be that they don't realize that they're creating it from their mind with mentalism. And they're just seeing in the simulation that we're in, they're just seeing that without seeing that the same patterns repeat because they are making them repeat in their lives. Right. That's, right. And that's the law of attraction, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is the law of attraction. And, and um, yeah, there's, so a lot of people, if you ask me, they only know half the truth of the law of attraction. And the alchemists, you know, they 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 make out of lead, they make gold. So the lowest vibration metal, they make gold, which is the highest vibration metal. But then right. alchemists also look at the human, the hero's journey, basically, that we're born on the planet. We are born a king or a queen, but we don't know it. And we're in perception. And then until something happens... And then we start to wake up, right? And alchemists are all about that journey. Oh, that that story that this 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 the boy who he doesn't realize he's actually the heir to the throne, right? Man, King Arthur. That's, that's telling us the whole time yeah. we are the king because it applies to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just made that connection. Yeah. All right, all right. Carry on with that. Carry on with watch, that watch, watch King Arthur, the new the new one. I I didn't see the old one, but the new one is with uh, as one of my favorite actors that I. Dun, Dunham or something. It's funny. It's action. It's a good story. And you learn about the hero's journey. He, you know, he was the king and he had to 
because it was so dangerous for him because he was the heir to the king. They, you know, exiled him basically somewhere else. And he didn't know until somebody came and, and you know, and, and he found out. And, and with Jesus, I believe, so I'm not an expert on the Bible, but I believe it was the same. He didn't know until someone came to him, John the Baptist, maybe? No, don't quote me on that. And told him about that he was son of God. And the next day, the first thing he did, he made wine out of water. Well, yeah, but that's the um, that's the story that that's the version of the story since like the Council of Nicaea and stuff. Like we don't know if that's the original. I've heard what I've heard is that Jesus was actually different in reality, like a sort of right. and you know, like more of a sort of almost like more Buddhist in terms of how his approach, right? But anyway, that's a digression. I would love to have dinner with Jesus. <laughs> would you come with me? That'd be cool, hi. You might be able to talk to Jesus. Yeah, it depends I what mean, you think about channeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had a conversation the other week with a woman, and she she was saying she had that gift of um, speaking to, you know, people that are not here anymore. And 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 when she tells other people, they think she's crazy, and you know, that's um, special gift, but probably tough to. To bring it, um, yeah, to confess to other people that this is um, a gift that you have, right? Because a lot of people think um, voo voo. Yeah. I like how you say voo voo, not woo woo. Woo woo, yeah, all right. Well, but we um, we wanted to, the, so the alchemists, so I, I, you know, with the alchemists, so yeah, we're, that, that's what they, they're, they're all about, the, the, this journey for us to find out that we're king and then to, you know, get us there again in our um, creative potential, in our highest good, basically. And what they're saying, they have a saying that the half-wise will be dashed against the rocks by reason of their own folly. And that the law of attraction, a lot of people, they just, you know, they think, okay, I just imagine um how i want something i really feel it and i imagine it and i want it and it's going to come to me but that's only it's only half of the the premise of the law of attraction because that's only the vision but to have a structure you need two points that have a connection so if you have the vision you also need the current reality right and so you have sorry i'm wondering do you need the right vibration to attract that otherwise I think you need the right amount of awareness. So vibration is awareness, right? The higher your vibration, the the more awareness you have. So you, yeah, if you have a lot of awareness, then you can really define and understand your current reality, what it is, right? What your limitations are. Yeah, you are honest to yourself. You're not lying. You're not like making things nicer than they actually are or worse than they are. And you have a vision. And then you have a structure because you have two points that have a relationship to each other. And then, you know, you go, you go into the mechanics of manifesting, which is very mechanical. It's uns- it's not romantic because it's structure. But if you know the structure, you can apply it. Yeah, I think I um I listened to some of um Abraham Hicks speaking. And funny enough, Abraham Hicks is actually, is actually a woman channeling Abraham Hicks is someone who's dead. So, oh, wow. but it is quite interesting. But 
but it's quite interesting teachings because it's to do with the law of attraction and stuff generally and it's this idea there's this woman who she was trying to tell this woman on the phone like who's asking for the help like you create reality your own reality and all this stuff right and they just weren't buying it they didn't want their responsibility they wanted to sort of pin it on other things but then what happened is they went out with their husband this the woman they're talking to who um they went out with her husband like just on a day trip right and when they've been talking to abraham hicks that there'd been there were these three words that had been used i think um i can't remember the details but these three things that were mentioned and then each of those three things were in her mind and they manifested in reality like a whole bunch of butterflies appeared and then there was this uh, like this boy came along and gave her something that it was mentioned and then like she saw some so basically I can't remember the details but essentially mm-hmm. every, all these three things that were mentioned she actually came across and the third thing happened and she was like oh and then she realized she had created these things because they're in her head and she had actually yeah it's interesting I'm not sure I've explained it at all as well as Abraham makes. Um, the idea is basically that based on our own vibration, we attract our own emotional frequency. We attract into our reality what reflects that. So in a way, my perception is that we perhaps we need to start raising our frequency. Then we can be concerned with the mechanics of it. Because otherwise, if you just start with the mechanics of it, you'll be attracting negative things based on your negative frequency. I would, if it, so you're absolutely right with, I mean, right. That's how I feel as well, right? With um, raising the frequency, that the vibration that will do you good, that will do good for everybody you interact with, that will do good for the whole world. So you're in service of humanity. If you raise your vibration and absolutely like, you know, with the work that you do, with the work that, we did together like all the all these things that people we connect to that helps raise the vibration and um you know it's it's needed in when you look at the state of this world it's it, it can't hurt right so it's good what i would say is though for you and this is very very important and and it's a truth is that for you to create what you love there needs no condition there's no condition that needs to be met in order for you to create what you want, okay? Because people think that they need confidence, that they need a high vibration, that they need a good wife, that they need a lot of money, that they need to have more knowledge before they can start creating. And it's not true. Because look at, I um, wrote like a little piece the other day about Robin Williams, the actor. How is it that he was so unhappy with suicidal thoughts to the point where he killed himself in front, hung himself in his apartment with his family, I think, to find him. But he was one of the best creators of the time, right? He made beautiful movies. That's a good point. Yeah. So I suppose- we have no excuse not to create because if he could do it with all these, and he's not the only one, right? I mean, there, there's just no condition that has to be met for you to create what you love because you will create, if you create what you love, guess what? You will have success. You just need to place yourself within that space of love that you have. 
And even if overall you have a low vibration to say, you're going to be moments when you really feel love, right? Everyone have moments like that. Um, it might make it easier if you've got high vibration, but fundamentally it's still possible if you not, don't, right? Yeah. But let's take, you know, let's take this podcast for an example. Let's take you as an example. If you know that there have to be no conditions met for you to create what you love and what you love, tell me why you love to do this podcast. Why are you creating this podcast? What's your intention behind it? Well, if you ask me why I love it, it's more that I just love it. <laughs> um, See, that's that's the beauty of it. You just say, I just love it. You create it for its own sake. There's no agenda to why you do it. That's like a There painter. are reasons. There are, I, do, there are, I do want to help serve humanity. Um, and my, my original intention was that I understood politics and I understood in a holistic way, at least somewhat in a holistic way. I, I've, I understand ideology, especially what it's like to be in one, but I'm out of that now. And I understand that there's all this social division and that unity on a spiritual level is important as well, right? So from ideology to unity, I understand panpsychism or pantheism, you know, the law of one sort of these, these kind of ideas, these kind of mystical ideas. And I feel like if I could contribute towards mending their social divides and awakening people, even a little bit, that would be great. And if I do, if I can talk about stuff I'm interested in that I love, which is I love spiritual, my spirituality, and I love, I do actually love understanding the world and reality, and that includes political stuff. Like I have this love of understanding truth or wisdom. We well, you know, just understand how everything fits together, right? So if I enjoy that, I might as well just do that. And I find doing this, I feel a lot more alive than if I'm just playing computer games and watching stuff. So I might as well, right? Might as well. I, I completely agree with you. And what I'm saying is you create what you love because you love it for its own sake. You That creates success and success is sexy. And what happens to when you create, when you have more followers, when you get the message out, when, when you're sharing is like you raise your vibration you learn more about spirituality it's not that you need to know so much before you can start you just start creating and and then you are you going to have it perfect from the beginning no does it matter no because what a creator does is you start creating what you love which is a very strong if you have that structure again vision current reality and you're honest you have a lot of structure tension like tension which is good tension is good and that will move you towards your vision. But as you go, you adjust. But it will be easy, even if you have a setback, because you're focused on the end result of, and because you just love it. You can always refocus on your end result. Right. So it's about creating change, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where time comes from, because it's ultimately created from the change from one state to the other based on what divine creation manifestation right and i love how you say it's change and it's not problem solving it's change it's something new you're not looking at a problem and then fixing a problem and become a problem fixer and like problem solver because uh, you know 
people pride themselves with being good problem solvers. But I give you, do we have time for like a two minute story, right? Sure. It's a good one. In Ethiopia, they had, I don't remember if it was in the 80s or in the 90s, they had a very um, bad famine. You know, they were, people were hungry. And what I, what I want to explain with the story or illustrate is how solving a problem is like an oscillating structure, like in a uh, rocking chair. So on the one side, you have a big problem, which is the famine, right? And so, you know, the media came, they took a lot of videos and pictures and they posted it all around the world and the nations across the globe, they rose to the occasion and they spent millions of dollars, you know, for Ethiopian kids and adults to eat. And then the food came to Ethiopia and, and, you know, they figured everything out, the politics of the food actually got to the people. So the people got to eat and what happened? So the hunger or famine went down. There were not a lot of people that were hungry because they had food. The interest in the media went down. Then the coverage was down. That means there was no donations from the world at, at a later time. And a couple months later, the same problem came back and it was even worse. And there was the same famine again. So that is a oscillating structure of having a problem, taking action to make that problem go away, problem goes away. And then you're on the other side because problem is going to come again. You know, it might be the same one or a different one. And you just go back and forth and back and forth. And instead of having a vision to create what I really want to create, right? Does I've that make sense? Yeah. Though, Do we create, do we manifest collectively, not just individually? Hmm. Never thought about that. I, I don't see why not. It's, I mean, it, you mean like if you, just imagine if you had a group of 10 people, I mean, 10 people are more powerful than one. And if, if you come together in like what we call a magician circle where you, you know, you, you let go of control of, of everybody else and you surrender to their power and you give the best that you have and then you align on, on a vision. I mean, yeah, you know, doing it with a, a group is a lot more powerful and probably faster and all that, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. What I meant is... As I'm more imagining on a societal level, perhaps not even consciously, that people, that you know, that people might be manifesting based on their frequency. They might be manifesting bad things to happen, like say famines. Right. I, I don't have any evidence of this. I'm just wondering, like, if individuals can do it in their lives without realizing, then maybe whole societies can do it. Mm. I, I mean, I would as above, so below. I yeah. mean, you know, those patterns. I. Yeah, I, I think so. Because when you look at what well, a good way to describe is basically if you look at the river, how the river floats, the water is, go, is taking the path of least resistance, right? It's, it's flowing. But then the path of least resistance is given by the, the structure of the river of like where, where it's going, right? And you create, you affect the structure by, you might, exactly. Because your if beliefs you the, distort it. Exactly. And, and if, this, if the society has a structure of like consumption, for example, right, or and, and like right. making more money all the time, that's like a structure and, and change will only happen if you change that underlying structure, not just putting like a, some rocks in, in the river or something. That would not, right. that would just Otherwise, it would just be change within the stream. But to exactly. change the stream as a whole, that takes more work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so 
something else that I feel might be relevant here is that so this is about the nature of reality that a lot of people don't seem to know. And is it about is it linked to Plato's cave? Um, natural law, you mean? Yeah, the, the knowledge of people of natural law that people don't have, and then when you come to realize it. And... Um, uh, Nick, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The Plato's allegory of the cave, I usually, I, you know how I use it? I mean, for the people, do you want to, do you know how it goes, kind of? Oh, tell the story. Go ahead. Should I? But I'll, I'll do it really quick. But the, it, the point for me is, you know how we cannot force people to try to go into a higher vibration if they don't want to see certain things like it, it's okay like force isn't going to do it right so with plato when when they're sitting so there's a bunch of people sitting in a cave and from the back you know there's shadows that basically are cast against the wall towards the exit and the people are scared and they just sit in a cave and and don't go outside and so there was one courageous guy, let's call him Nick. And Nick is like, fuck this. I'm going, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to see what's out there. Right. So Nick goes out and at first you get out and you look at the sun and you're like blinded for a little bit, but then, you know, you're out there. What would you do? If, if, if Nick is out there, what would you do at that time? I mean, if I just discovered it, I'd probably come back and try to tell them about it. You know, it's amazing. There's this and there's that. And then they'd be like, you're crazy. That's right. No way does that. That's right. And 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 what I would suggest, because what you could do is you could go to the beach, say to the beach, you can get a little tan, you can get some bananas, you can take a swim, you know, feel good, get really ripped. And then, you know, go back to the cave and bring him a banana and a coconut and tell them, yo, guys, <sighs> you know, there's a look, I'm fit. You have like maybe like a Hawaii shirt. I don't know, you know, like something fun. And you show them. It's not like them the benefits in a way they the can't benefits. deny. Yeah. And then, and then there's inevitably going to be people there that say, no, no, I'm scared. Uh, you're, you're crazy. And they are not going to come. Right. But there will be one or two, maybe your brother, maybe your sister. I don't know. Somebody would be like, fuck, look at him. He's looking good. He's looking happy. I'll, I want to have a banana. And he goes, and then there's two or three or four of you and you do the same. And, and so but you know what happened in the allegory is like he came back in the cave to tell the people and he was killed. So, <sighs> well, you have to take a risk to potentially change, change the world, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you'll be too afraid to step out yourself and run a different. Yeah. But the, so the allegory, I would, I would just, I often use it as illustration of how we can't force people, but how we can just try to be not even role models, but just try to just just be the way you are because you've changed and, and either they'll pick up on it or they won't. Maybe the timing is right. Maybe it's not. But putting energy into converting or sort of pulling someone out, you know, it's just not very rewarding. It's no fun. It's, yeah. Right. I suppose in my podcast, like I can focus on putting my, speaking my truth and putting my voice out there, but I don't want to, have trying to drag people kicking and screaming into believing in the law of one i mean I, I, that's not going to work it, it's it has to be me exploring and offering people to join in that exploration if they want right you're gonna go crazy otherwise i can i mean yeah. i tried them for a while because i didn't get it 
because I was like, you gotta know this, you gotta, you know, and then it's like one opinion against the other. And, and you can imagine what I mean, every, I would say everyone that's on this journey towards higher vibration at some point or another has had that situation where you wanted to speak to somebody about, you know, one of these topics and the person was just absolutely against it or had a completely different opinion. And you felt like, you know, defensive after that and, and energy was low. I mean, we, it's part yeah, of the journey. We learn about, we learn about like having a higher vibration, but it doesn't mean we, we don't slip up and go back to our old selves every now and again. Right. Yeah. I mean, that the ego, if you think of perception being informed by thoughts and feelings and, and you know, our ego taking care of our individuality and you have your superconscious, your higher self, then, I mean, a lot of times we're in our ego, we're human. I mean, we, we're having our, ex, I mean, you, you don't walk around, even if you're a creator, you don't walk around and always, you're always connected to your superconscious. It, it's it's not happening because we're a human so it's okay to have and it's cool to have thoughts and feelings right like it's just knowing that the feelings that come they're not a representation of reality they're just you know it's informed on your past experience and so and it doesn't matter for you to create that's like the most important point it doesn't matter if you feel sad or angry and or, or, or super good for creation a lot of the things that you create oh look take this I've spoken a lot to a lot of parents and I, you know, they ask me what I do and I explain to them. And when you ask parents, most of them, if you ask them, what's like the biggest thing or the, 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 the one thing that you admire most about yourself that you created or that you're proud of, right? They will say they're kids. And when you look at being a, like being a parent, it's not just fun and happy, 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 happy all the time. It's like hard work. It can be, you know, you, it can be sad, it can be, you can be angry, it's hard work, but the creation is beautiful and worth it, right? And that's, mm. so creating is not always like happy, 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 fun, fun, fun. It's not, but if you know, then if you have a feeling that is not so, is not happy, 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 you know that doesn't mean that you're on the wrong track. You just stay focused on what it is and because you create for the creation of it because you love it. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned the 12 fundamental limiting beliefs. So would you like to go and outline what they are and yeah. the role they have? Do you remember what, what are yours? <laughs> I actually, I went back to it and I changed my mind. Um, you changed your mind. I, I felt like I hadn't been and I'd kind of missed, because sometimes... I, I put more time into considering like what my limiting beliefs were. Like, I think I, I suspect I started off when I was young with I'm unworthy and I'm not good enough, which I don't like mm. to say because you know, words of power. Uh, especially, I suppose maybe I'm not good enough more so uh, because like there's this often like I suppose my dad was. Um, often expressing displeasure at the way we were at this, that, or the other. There was quite high expectations and often wasn't meeting them. Yeah. Um, and that was made clear. But then my mum was like communicating that from him. So she was a messenger. So maybe that had an effect as well. Later on though, I think what I 
clung to is this idea of there's an objective way of things are, and I was smart, and I... Well, I came across, like, the Myers-Briggs, and it, it said that I had, like, one of the rational personality types, right? So I was like, oh, I'm really rational, right? As because it's compensating for insecurity about actually about my my lack of accomplishment or, or whatever, right? And my, my insecurity about feeling not good enough or unworthy. That's my theory. So my theory is that then I clung on to, okay, there's a way things are, and I know what it is because I'm smart. And and I was got fundamentalist and like, you know, the way, that's number nine, isn't it? So there's a, there's a way of doing, there's a way it is, and you know how it is. It's not about how to do it, but just what it is. And you can kind of get dogmatic about it or even manipulative uh, to try to convince people. And, and you don't necessarily realise. Yeah, and you do it to yourself, yourself as well. So if things don't fit that, you ignore them because your identity is based around there's the way things are. If it doesn't match that, then you don't. Then that's threatened, and then you might get angry that's right. at other people. Who've got other ways they, they believe in other things, mm-hmm. the way things are, and that's a threat mm-hmm. to how you feel. So, in fact, a lot of people that that number nine is actually quite common, actually. Yeah. Anyway, so um, that's me. I mean, there's other things as well, but I think those are the most the key ones for me. Mm-hmm. How do you explain? what these principles are absolutely i mean look there is so important and here we're not when we speak about the the 12 fundamental limiting beliefs then we are basically i mentioned the vision before and the current reality then we're speaking about the current reality where are we coming from we're trying to understand or we're going to understand where we're coming from because when we can see what those patterns are we can then choose to to change it to create to to put the power somewhere else and somewhere else would be in the creative facilities right in the higher self so the 12 fundamental beliefs happen in the individuation phase because you come to the planet and you don't know you're separate from anything and you create your individual experience and every single one of us makes this up like you come and based on your experience that you're having as a kid already in the womb and then in the first approximately five years you make it up so for example if i wasn't breastfed so i was crying a lot when i was young because i didn't have enough food but then so i asked myself why or the baby asked itself why am i in pain and then you come up with a belief right my mother i'm not worthy I don't belong, you know, what, what, whatever. I mean, I have the 12 here. I don't think we're going to go in all 12, but we can speak about the ones that um, are most common. Let's put it that way. And you come up with that belief and that belief is then set in stone. And the ego becomes dedicated to, to prove that this belief is right for the rest of your life. And you can't really get rid of your limiting beliefs they can be like stronger at times more prominent or not so prominent depending on you know what's going on for you in the world and 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 your situation but they're always going to be here what can you do then what can you do is you 
acknowledge them, you learn about them, you're like, oh yeah, this is me, because every limiting belief has compensating strategies. Because look, if you have take and and this is you know the importance of those limiting beliefs. It's not like, oh, I came to plan, I was a little bit in pain, and uh yeah, I came up with a belief and yeah, yeah, I have it. It's not like this, it's 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 for life and death. Because imagine in the animal kingdom, if you have um, a zebra and the zebra, a young zebra is left behind because it doesn't belong, it's going to be dead in a couple of hours. So this is survival mechanics. Oh, survival. If you're a baby and you, you're in pain, you cry because you need help. If you don't get it, if you don't get the attention, you're going to die. Right. So if you move on from, if you don't know, if you don't longer cling on to survival so much, is that a way to not uh, not make it not perhaps it won't apply to you so much even if it's true maybe it will just have less of an impact in your life if you're not clinging to your ego's fear of death so much well yeah well but what i would suggest it's actually easier than that because it's easier because if you understand what's going on if you know you have to believe i'm not good enough right it's father derived so in from about two years to five years, if you got a lot of praise and a lot of attention, a lot of acknowledgement from your dad for doing stuff well, like walking, running, riding a bicycle, you know, swimming and so on, you're developing that belief, I'm not good enough. You're only, so because you only get acknowledgement and energy from your dad when, when you do stuff well, for example. Right. So if you have that and you have your compensating strategies like, think like taking course after course you're always having you know that you're good but it's never good enough you know you're running into a burnout because or you are always this is one for me so i'm future oriented i don't really care about the past because i can rationalize away okay the past is the past but there's other beliefs that are very much in the past but i'm not let's say but i'm always in often in the future i'm like okay i have calendar open what can i do because i'm never good enough I, there's more and more i can do right so when you know this pattern is going on for you because you have awareness and because somebody told you then then you can choose to say okay it's okay the way it is i don't need to fix myself because these beliefs don't go away but what i can do now i can choose to put the power somewhere else because the, the the belief creates our reality and if you know what the belief is then you can just say to your subconscious well i, I should explain that a bit different because that these are like channels that we can put our energy into and if we just direct less energy into it 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 doesn't have so much impact even if it's still there yes yes exactly that exactly that and and that's it look if you think of this subconscious mind which is this super powerful computer energy of ours that they say works between 40 million bits of data per second up to 400 billion bits of data per second that's what i heard right compared to our what we're like self-consciously aware of it's between 40 and 2000 bits right so yeah the matrix right yeah huge i have this idea that maybe this is like if you think about the chakras this is like the third chakra which is and below like the the sacral chakra yellow ray um but if we can get to the heart well the heart is like apparently has its own brain right its own neurons and if we can open our heart then we can fundamentally operate on a different operating system right 
And we don't have, just because we've got the operating system doesn't mean that needs to be the main one we use if we upgrade. What do you think? Agree. And I agree. And, and you create your own <laughs> because, I mean, we were given like a basic operating system when we were born, like, you know, how with astrology, how the stars and the planets were, you know, there's like a basic thing. But after that, it's it's our creation. We made it up. We like came up with um, and let me just the, the limiting beliefs, because you nailed it when you said that we give them less energy. Let me just finish that thought real quick because it'll make a lot of sense. If you look at that subconscious mind that is so powerful and can create anything, how it works is the subconscious is like a fertile soil. And whatever seed you drop in, it just says yes to it and it grows that. So, and it doesn't have any moral like uh, ethics or so. so it's not like there's no code of conduct for the fertile soil. It's not saying, oh, I don't like potatoes. I'm not growing potatoes. It's like whatever comes in, it says yes, and it creates that in reality. And so now the question is, what kind of messages does the subconscious get, right? And that's where it's getting a constant message from our beliefs that we have. And from those 12 fundamental limiting beliefs, it gets messages. They're always going to be there. But the trick now is that there's also the higher self that gives a message that can give a message to the subconscious and you put the power into that and you use free will and choice to do that. So when you recognize your limitations, your the messages that the limiting beliefs sent, you say, okay, it's cool. I get it. That's how it is. That's what you're sending. But I choose to put the power in the message that comes from a sub, from my higher self, from my genius. And that's it. And then that's what's, um, what's manifested. And that's why, for example, affirmations. If you are a weak person and you tell yourself 10 times in the mirror, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong every morning, it's not going to work because your subconscious isn't stupid. And a person that, that is strong wouldn't tell himself or herself 10 times you know i'm strong i'm strong so you're just taking a message coming from your limitations and you're making it actually stronger by giving it more power by denying it right does that make sense yeah yeah so what's the correct which way of doing it is more effective to just say that you to 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 know that you don't have to fix yourself. You can still work on the limiting beliefs and, you know, do some, but just to know that it is what it is to understand it. And then to, with free choice, to put the power into your higher self and, you know, to connect to your higher self. I mean, we did exercises in foundation of freedom. It's based on intuition because you're creating your self-referenced. It's coming from within you, right? So it's, and you just choose you re really like you choose what you want to create and you ch put the power by choosing and we have we do that daily and like um and when you're coming to foundation of freedom too that's where we're going to get you to that, that system and and that's it free will so that's what we do I mean, from what i remember i did a, med a joe a joe dispenser meditation last night and like is it like you picture you really really picture if you changed the change that you're seeking and then you just basically as you said you make a connection between the change this current state and the change state and you manifest that 
but you don't need to just tell yourself again and again in the mirror that you need to truly picture it, right? Yeah. So someone who's got a lot of um, negative... So when people go through a dark night of the soul and they have to deal with do shadow work, um, how do we navigate that using the 12 limiting beliefs or knowledge of it? So the way we the way we do it is so the dark side is actually when you think of the dark side it's often if if you could implement in life what your dark side is it would be one of your oftentimes it's one of your most beautiful like beautiful aspects of your persona basically or of your being for um i mean when we did the dark work personal example on me what came out was that I can't, I have troubles expressing my feelings and emotions that are very positive towards the people that I love most, people that are close to me. You know, it's kind of fucked up, but it's, I, I can't really tell my dad that I love him, you know, but I can tell somebody that I meet um, and I, I can tell them I, I love you, you know, it's so, so that, that was my, my dark side. And I, I don't think that has, I mean, yeah, it's, I guess it is connected with the limiting beliefs. I never like thought about it, but the way you're raised, if, I don't know, I guess my dad never, did he tell me that he loves me? I don't know. I don't remember. Well, maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. It's all connected anyhow. Right. But like the dark side, what you suppress it's. or the, Right. What, so yeah. the, the, okay. In Jungian psychology, there's this idea of, so your ego identity, it identifies with certain things mm-hmm. and you identify them a certain way, but they have the whole totality of human potential within you, right? So anything that, and this is a sort of template that he called the collective unconscious, these archetypes. Now, anything that is part of you, but you don't accept as your identity is in your shadow, your subconscious. So essentially, I guess what it would suggest is that if your ego is made out of your limiting beliefs, then if, if there's something that's like the opposite of one of your limiting beliefs, then that would be in your shadow, maybe. So like, so maybe, I don't know, like if you feel like you're unworthy, maybe in the shadow it would be like i am the greatest or something i don't, I don't know i'm guessing but it's certainly in yugi psychology that in fact you you it's reflected in people you come across like if you feel those you dislike the most are actually reflecting a part of you in your shadow mm-hmm. right so if you i mean if you if you're like identify as really clever right but then the people who just maybe in your shadow there's a part of you that just like hates um people act like they're smart and it's like it's simple it's like this stuck with your instincts don't think it through um and then you come across people who just like i mean that's just one example there's any example basically Yeah, in fact, the the what you judge others for, and what you fear in others or 
dislike in others. Those are the signs that tell you about your own shadow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why it's also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, in the way you see in what you don't feel validated with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I strongly agree with that. And, but that's coming from an egoic perspective. So that's not from your higher self, mm. right? That's like you trying to, you feel in unvalidity or like, that you're not perfect or that you're missing something and you see that in others, but it's like always under the assumption. And that's really like the important point. It's always under the assumption that you have to fix yourself, but that's what like all, if you look at the human suffering on the planet, it's coming from perception because it's our ego that is trying to fix ourselves. Somehow we don't feel viable. We don't feel good enough. We don't feel worthy. And we're trying to fix that. And we're taking action to fix that. Right. And that, that's really like the, the pain of, not the pain, the cause of most of uh, human suffering. It right. Really, but perhaps, so, yeah. yeah. Perhaps acknowledging yeah. part of you that your ego rejects allows you mm. to transcend that. And maybe that's how you integrate your shadow in that you don't need to completely fix yourself, but rather just acknowledge that it's part of you and then that's it's within your conscious right it's not right because what does it do what if you acknowledge something that's like very essential to your being what 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 happens when you acknowledge well your awareness is expanding yeah to that and you're taking power away from it that's it right if you deny it you give it more power if you try to fix it, you make it like a, a problem, right? That needs to be fixed. And that's like the mindset where it's at. It's like trying to fix the problem. But I'm telling you, like these patterns, you know, these, that's why they're called fundamental limiting beliefs. Because when you, one of them is, I can't trust myself, others, and the world, right? Let's take that. You don't meet people that have that belief that can't trust. And then all of a sudden they have like 10 people around them. And now they say, oh, now I trust now, 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 oh yeah, yeah, now I trust everywhere. It doesn't happen. Or people that aren't good enough, that feel they're not good enough. They're always taking action to compensate for that belief. So they're always going to do achievers. They're always going to be future. And they're not going to say, oh, now, now I'm good. Oh yeah, yeah, I did this and that. I'm good enough. It doesn't The limiting beliefs are what we compensate for. Yes. Overcompensate. Right. Exactly. And, and so acknowledging what it is and seeing what you're doing because of that, because of those limiting beliefs, it takes the power away from it because you acknowledge it. You're not denying it. You're not trying to fix it, but you, you can see those patterns in the next situation. You can say, oh, this is my, this is clearly my compensating strategy. And you will be, if you really think about it and even maybe write it down and so on, you will see that those patterns repeat. That's why the people you attract in your life, there's going to be like, like, why are they so similar? Why is the same things happening? Because it's you who creates it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something else we could explore, which is um, why. Actually, no, I honestly, I talk about the left brain and right brain quite a lot. And I've talked about that a number of times and, recent episodes so 
maybe not that. So if we look at society as a whole, so this is what we can do individually to help, like not fix ourselves, but get past the limiting beliefs. But if we look at as below, so above, as above, so below, if you look at society as a whole, well, what, how can we help work and work together with others to, to do the same kind of thing with regard to how we organize reality, how we organize you know, uh, societies, how we deal with issues like you know, the COVID scare and um, political divides and all these things. Yeah, it's beautiful that you asked this question and I um, um, feel thankful, grateful that other people, you know, actually also think about it. And, and so it helps me as well, you know, so thanks for asking the question. And um, I hope we can explore this together. You know, what I, what I would say is that when you think about the different life dimensions that there are, there's like your personal space, what's going on, like for you in your head, right? And then you have your social dimension is the people that you interact with on a first name basis let's say then you have your environment which is more i don't know if you go to work if you live in a town if you do sports like your situations your environment and then there is universal which is what's happening on planet earth let's say right like covid and so you would think that a lot of these like covid is like so far away that you can't do anything about it and I, I can't tell you like how we're going to solve these kind of problems. But what I can tell you is the way a creator does it, we're as creators, we're thinking, what do we want? What's the end result, right? What is the end result, which I, you know, I have my end results there. And every, every day I was like, I choose the end result of that and I make my choices. And what the, the cool thing about this is, is that if I know that I want to, raise the vibration on this planet with people like you with people like simon and brenda and everybody else that we meet along the way i don't need to know the how because the how that will come if you have again if you have the vision and if you have the truth and you hold that tension the wisdom is going to come you know alchemists say you have truth love and on top is the vision it's like a pyramid that pushes right. up the wisdom. Truth, love pushes up the wisdom. Because, I mean, it would be cocky, arrogant, or so for me to say, I know how to get out of this. I don't. But I know what my end result is. And I know the next steps for me to take, they, they become obvious. And they, you know, doing a podcast with you, that's like an obvious thing. I love doing that. I know it's going to help people. You know it's going to help people. And, and so, you know, we do our best. But... Just hold the end result in mind, what you want to do, and the how right. will come. Okay, so I've had a realization as you've been talking, and it does link to what you're saying, actually. We hold the end result, and we focus on, like, so we get in the frequency of love, or maybe beyond. <laughs> we get in the high positive frequency, and we we picture the change and how we get there, and we just sort of well, we, we, we think about the change and then reality does it for us. And so it's about how manifestation works and we can do that collectively. If we're dealing with collective quote unquote problems or issues that we face or things that 
could be changed. Well, one thing might be group meditations on group manifestation on a collective level. So the more people collectively manifest together uh, the certain changes, whatever those changes are, the more we can bring it. So it's mentalism, right? I'm just applying that on a larger scale. The, what I hear is that the more people meditate together, it multiplies the effect. So it doesn't just add up, it multiplies. So I guess that that seems to be maybe at least one of the answers. So we don't need to we could come up with the answers in the 3D. We could come up with, in this typical cause and effect sense, and we can come up with all these steps that we could take. But if we know that really we create our own reality from mind, then why play with the simulation to fix it if we can fix it on a more encoded level, right? if we can focus it instead of playing on the 3d matrix, if we can change it on the four or five D matrix, right. And manifest the way manifestation really works. Yeah. We could change things. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's on, you know, people like you, me, people listen to podcasts, everybody else who's in this type of work, right. It's about, it's not about you it's not about me it's about this type of work and the more the more people are waking up to that realization that yeah that whatever you just said you know there's hundreds ways or thousands of ways on on how to achieve it and meditation i'm sure i mean there's, there's a lot of research on it that people coming together they like fucking change a whole village so i mean yeah you know i mean what what whatever works and it's on us to get the people to to do that because we're like just one step yeah about getting people about helping to organize that i suppose would you agree with the idea of bottom-up organization rather than top-down organization in order to do this so instead of telling people okay this is what we need to change if we just help people organize to collectively manifest then maybe that's all we really need to do. Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, for me, that is already speaking about the how again, like, you know, uh -oh. because, because yeah. when you, when, when you do that, it's like, you're basically excluding then that a top down, which for me, it also, it rings more true to do a bottom up, but I, I don't want to exclude top down because what if you have, I mean, if you watch King Arthur, I would, I would serve a king like King Arthur, like in the movie. So, you know, if you have somebody there, and I give you an example of what they did, I, I believe in Uganda. They also, they had big, big, big problems. I think still do. But what they did is they took volunteers that wanted to learn about structural change on how to create like visions, not fix problems, but create a new community. And so what they did, they took them to America they educated them on how to change the structures to create what they really love. They went back into their villages. They emerged as leaders, but not as 
top down in a traditional sense where say you got to follow that guy but because they knew that the guy has knowledge they inspired people so inspired and out of love they created a vision like we want our kids to have education we want to have clean water we want to have enough food we want to be self-sustainable we want to have a booming economy and you wouldn't believe it but within like i believe like two years or so you know they they had everything in those small communities while the country as a whole was still in the shit the economy in those little communities was booming they had new wells they had food they had schools they had everything and and so that you know so they didn't know the how but they knew what and then with everybody else's wisdom and ideas and health and they they created something completely new and it was not based on fixing problems but on creating something new and and you just have to leave the you have to be okay with not knowing how because that's again our ego is here to give us orientation and to know how it is right we're we're cre- yeah. yeah so we're creators and we can tap into we can tap into our higher selves essentially right yeah and maybe we don't here- need to know all the details no, we don't. And maybe also collective wisdom here, right? At that point, mm. what we can tap into, not just us, but when there's more people in the room and connecting about like a higher, like the, the end result of a beautiful community, all of a sudden, these people, when they're in those high vibrations and you come together, all of a sudden you have like a bigger mind and then the superconscious. Yeah. If you can tap into the superconscious. And maybe feed into it as well. I'm not sure how that works. Then, if everyone, if more, the more people start doing that, the more we collectively fix things as a whole. Well, no, no, not fix things. Uh, change things. Change things better, much better. I like it. It's, it's even with me. Like it slips in, right? This uh, conditioned way of thinking. So, I mean, we've covered. Well, I've covered all my notes pretty much. <laughs> so, I mean, is there anything you'd like to you'd like to add to sort of um, you have maybe you hadn't got around to mentioning, or that really sums up, you know, really sums up what people could benefit the most from with regards to you know. Um, absolutely. I mean, the you know the. One, when I speak to people about this topic, I try to make it as easy as possible. And really, the first thing that comes to mind is just that the thoughts and feelings are not a representation of reality. And when you're okay with that, right? When you're, you're okay with accepting that this is the case, when you're ready to explore more, then there's like, that's where intuition comes in. And when you become more self-referenced, when you start to understand, and you know, if that could be the last message is that we are born, the hero's journey is we are born as a king or as a queen. In the mythological sense, it's always a king, right? So it doesn't mean man or female, but then we are brought up as peasants. We don't know that we're kings. Okay. Right? I So it's like, Here's the thing with the whole coronavirus, right? Corona means crown. Yeah. Maybe it represents the kinghood and queenhood that we all have. And the awakening 
to knowledge, to what the consciousness that we are all, that we, you know, we all are that, you know, that we all are kings and queens. Yeah, maybe it's, we realize it's forcing us to realize who we really are. It's the, the sword and the stone. And it, yeah, and more and more people are taking the sword out, right? I love how you, I love the picture you paint right there. I love that. And I, I mean, right now, when you look at coronavirus, this is a great opportunity. This could be like the event or the Weisman that comes and tells you that you're a king because that there is more than what you are being fed, right? Your What is being fed into your perception? Like, you know, it'd be a beautiful event to start to say, okay, what my perception is giving me is, is far away from the truth and there's better ways to explore the truth, okay? Without like having to fix yourself. And, and so that's why this whole process is actually fun because you start creating uh, without having any other conditions in place, you just start creating, which will bring you success and that's sexy and you will create more, right? And that's um, positive, positive feedback loop. That's really, really beautiful. So why not use coronavirus for you to jumpstart that journey? I love that. Right. Yeah. So, well, I think that's a, a good point to end this really. So uh, thanks for coming. It was a great conversation. Thanks for having me, Nick. That was, uh, I enjoyed it as well. All right. Bye then. Bye.